Final Whistle Weekly with ex-Spurs and England football international Gary Stevens, powered by Tybeza.com and Inspire Media. Welcome to The Final Whistle, a weekly football show recorded here in Thailand. You can listen to The Final Whistle on Tyvisa.com, Dan About Thailand, Inspire and FM Radio throughout Thailand. I'm Jonathan Fairfield and joining me as always is ex-England and Spurs defender Gary Stevens. How are you Gary? I'm super, thank you. Very good. We've got something a little bit different for you this week. We're going to take a look uh, ahead at both the Europa and UEFA Champions League finals. Uh, with Gary having played in the UEFA Cup final for Spurs, we're going to discuss what that was like and, and what the teams might be thinking going into those games. Uh, but before we get into that, we're in a unique position that four English teams are playing in the two major European Cup finals over the next couple of weeks. Arsenal are taking on Chelsea in the Europa League final and Tottenham play Liverpool in a Champions League final. Uh, firstly, what do you make of the fixtures, Gary, featuring four English clubs? Well, you're right. It is unique, isn't it? Um, at no stage has uh, ever one nation filled all four places of those finals. Um, so I think it talk, or it tells us a little bit about the strength of the English Premier League, for sure. Um, and it tells us about the depth within the, the English game at the moment. Not, not just English players. I'm talking about players from all over the world who are playing in England. Um, do I think it's a good thing? I'm not convinced is the honest truth because it's a, it's a European competition and for me a European final ideally should be between two sides from different countries. That's how I would like it to be. Having said that, you know, English football has taken a few knocks over the years um, and now it's, it's certainly very much top of the pile. Uh, you played the last time Spurs won a major European trophy. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, first and foremost, it was 35 years ago. Um, it was the UEFA Cup, which has now been rebranded in is the Europa League. So it's the one that Arsenal and Chelsea are playing in the final. Um, as it happens, um, Nottingham Forest were in one semi-final against Anderlecht. Um, and Spurs were in the other semi-final against Hadjuk Split. And once we'd got past Hadjuk Split and the, the second leg of the semi-finals were being played at the same time, I was just hoping that we weren't going to play Nottingham Forest in the final. And as it happens, nothing against Nottingham Forest, of course, but as it happens, Anderlecht had beaten Nottingham Forest, so it was a true European final. Um, but back then, the UEFA Cup was decided over two legs you played home and away whereas now it's just a one-off final which is being played in Baku, Azerbaijan between uh, Chelsea and Arsenal so we went away to Anderlecht in the first leg and we we drew 1-1 and we came back to White Hart Lane for the second leg a couple of weeks later and we drew 1-1 which meant it was 2-2 on aggregate it went to extra time it was still 2-2 after that period of extra time and then it went into penalties, and I'm delighted to say that we managed to win 4-3 on penalties. Yeah, what you were saying earlier was interesting, that uh, in between the two final, the two legs of the final, you had a league game as well, a domestic game. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, the, the schedules of the seasons over the years have always changed. They finish earlier, they finish later. You know, UEFA have stretched it out. The Champions League now is the, the, the very last club game in the season. So from the, the Spurs-Liverpool perspective this year, they've got a long wait from the end of their domestic season until the final, as do Arsenal and Chelsea in the Europa League. But you're right, we played our first, uh, or the first leg of the final away in Belgium against Anderlecht. It was on the 9th of May, as I remember. 
Then, literally three days later, we had our last league game of the season, which was at home against Manchester United, which we drew 1-1 against them, funnily enough. Um, and then it was 11 days later, we had to wait 11 days before we played the second leg against Anderlecht on the 23rd of May. 1984 that's the frightening bit folks yeah. 1984 <laughs> so you know yes you have to adapt and and it's not necessarily easy because you know the final's coming and you just want it to come but you, you have to be patient yeah for someone who grew up watching football in the 90s the idea of a two-legged final seems pretty strange to be honest but uh, like you said going into the game what what were your preparations for for the final, and given that it was over two legs as well, did you do anything different, or was it taking well, it as just as another game? We, we tried to keep it as normal, to be honest with you. And our, our schedule for European games throughout that eighty-three, eighty-four season at Spurs were on the the home game. We always trained in the morning because it was invariably an eight o'clock kickoff at night. We trained in the morning. We all went to a local hotel. It was called the Ponsbourne Hotel, Newgate Street Village, Cuffley in Hertfordshire, near the training ground had a meal together, all went to bed in the afternoon, checked into our rooms, had two or three hours sleep, and then there would be a knock on your door, they'd bring tea and toast in, and from there you'd drive down to the ground two hours before kick-off and, and start your further preparation that, for the game. That was the routine. That solid pre-match meal of tea and toast. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> but, but we had had a good lunch, I can assure you. Uh, were there extra nerves or excitement? Can you remember? Or? Yeah, I th yes, there was extra nerves and extra excitement for sure because it, it was a final um, and it had to be decided. And there was a fantastic trophy available. And of course, you know, you're in the business to win trophies and and win awards and collect medals. And uh, you know, yes, it was huge for all of us. But somehow, again, you have to manage that that sort of nervousness, yeah, that not, excitement. Not be overawed by the occasion, I guess. Yeah, so. you're right, because, you know, nerves, you know, some players go on to the pitch for a big game and they go to put their, their foot on the gas and there's nothing there because yeah. they've, they've burnt up so much nervous energy. Uh, the 1984 final went to a penalty shootout and you stepped up and scored your penalty. Tell us what it's like to take a penalty shootout. Uh, and did you volunteer or was it decided before or how well, did it work? Well, you know, every round was, it was a straight knockout, home and away against whoever you were playing. So, of course, every round could go to a penalty shootout. Um, and after the second and the third round, you know, the manager's saying, well, it could go to a penalty shootout. Who wants a, a penalty? And we had some regular penalty takers at Spurs, Mark Falco, Graham Roberts, Steve Archibald. And thereafter, there wasn't really anyone. And uh, Keith Birkinshaw, the club manager at Spurs, said to, uh, to everyone in the team talk and looked at me and said, Gary, you strike a good ball. I think you should take a penalty. And I went, well, OK, Gaffer, if you think I should, I, I will type a thing. Anyway, it didn't go to penalties. It didn't go to penalties the next round. Suddenly, we're in the final. And, you know, before the second leg, I'm volunteering to take a penalty because it never goes to penalties. No problem, is it? I'll be a hero because I don't have to take one. <laughs> sure enough, you know, we're going into extra time, 2-2 two, two aggregate. And I'm thinking, I need Spurs to score a goal here and win this tie because if not... He's going to penalties, and guess what? If I'm still on the pitch, I'm taking one. Were, were you confident or, or not? Had well, you been a penalty taker ever? No, I hadn't. I'd taken a penalty for Brighton in a pre-season tournament in Holland on one occasion and scored, so that was OK. But other than that, no. Um, but, you know, we'd all practised leading up to every single round in case it went to yeah. penalties. And I had a little method and a little technique that I utilised... Um, and I think the secret is taking a penalty that you don't change your mind. You decide exactly how you're going to do it, what you're going to do, 
and then you have to execute it. Um, it's different now with penalties because back then the goalkeeper, yes, had to stay on the line as he's supposed to today, but the goalkeeper wasn't allowed to move along the oh, line really? right no. to left. So the penalty taker had a greater advantage then than the penalty taker has today. But I still believe that the penalty taker should score because you're in control. And I stepped up knowing what I wanted to do, stayed focused, delivered, um, and I guess the rest is history. Yeah, I watched the footage actually before this on YouTube and I can tell you Gary completely wrong-footed the keeper. He barely moved, did he? And it, The keeper wasn't happy actually. I don't know what it was all about. I, I'm not entirely sure... Anyway, any of our listeners, if you go to YouTube, <laughs> you can have a look at it and make your own decision yeah, you what should. the uh, the Anderlecht keeper thought of my penalty. Yeah, so you scored. So is it a feeling of, yes, I've scored, or is it a feeling of relief that you're not the guy that I've missed? Well, I, I think there's an element of relief because if you look at my celebration afterwards, I, I've got this big right arm windmill swinging round as I head back from the penalty area to the halfway line where all my teammates are so yeah I think there was an element of relief and the only thing that mattered and it sounds selfish the only thing that mattered to me was that I scored I couldn't do anything about their goalkeeper yeah. my goalkeeper their penalty takers our penalty takers the only person I could affect was me and in that situation the only thing that mattered was me scoring so Spurs won the penalty shootout. Was it 4-3? Four, 4-3, three, four, three, yeah. Three. Uh, after the final whistle, what I also noticed on the YouTube clip is that I think you were the first to congratulate the keeper. You must have had some energy and sprinted over to him, I think. Well, I was super fit in those days, but um, Tony Parks was our goalkeeper. Ray Clements wasn't able to play, so Tony Parks played, made a, two great saves in the, the penalty shootout, which enabled us to win it. Um, and it was their fifth penalty, which if they'd scored, it would have gone to sudden death. But of course, Tony Park saves it. Therefore, we've won 4-3. And yeah, I sprinted from the halfway line to the edge of the penalty area where Tony Parks had got to uh, ahead of any of my teammates to, to have a cuddle. Give us a, give us a bit of an insight into the celebrations after the game and the next couple of days. Was there any open top bus parade? We, or we what, didn't, what was we, going on at Spurs after you won? Well, we didn't have an open top, top bus parade or anything like that. But... All I can tell you is that I didn't go to bed that night. The party continued at White Hart Lane, in the lounges, in the local pubs and clubs, and it was uh, it was gone breakfast by the time I got home that next morning. Yeah, well, you're forever etched in the history of Spurs now, and like I said, they've got their next major final coming up against Liverpool. It must bring some of those memories back around this time, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm really hopeful that Spurs can win the Champions League. But they're playing great opponents in Liverpool. Um, I guess, because I can't, again, I can't affect the game. So therefore, my hope is that it's a fantastic game of football. Both sides play to their very, very best. And therefore, we should see the best team win. You know, I'm a football fan these days. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. OK, well, that's a, a really interesting bit of insight there, Gary. Before we go, how can people find you on social media? And tell us a little bit about your new website. Well, I'm on Twitter. And my Twitter handle is at Gary Stevens UK um, and I've also got a, a website that we've got going now which is uh, GaryStevens.co um, please find me on either of those and I'll get back to you we can communicate okay good stuff thanks very much Gary Final Whistle Weekly with Gary Stevens a Tyvesa.com and Inspire Media production